Music and art are an expression of an artist's perspective on life. They shape our own perceptions of reality and help us develop an appreciation for the world around us. Connect with creatives of every nature to understand and deepen your connection to their work on the Evoked Podcast. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce. Welcome to the Evoked Podcast. Today, I'm joined by burlesque dancer and president at Ruby Spencer Productions, Ruby Spencer. Ruby, Hello. thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, what a pleasure. <laughs> and um, full disclosure, I mean, in terms of how we met, I met you performing That's at right. Untitled Supper Club. <laughs> um, yes, and on a hot day and a pasty losing day, too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but honestly, what, a, what an incredible performance. And, and, and just you can really see uh, your personality come through and, oh. and who you are. It's very fun. And obviously, I approached you and was like, hey, we've got to have you on the podcast. So <laughs> yeah, uh, thank again, you. thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. But tell me how you got into it, because it's not your... Um, you know, you're, as we were talking, it wasn't like you were pursuing uh, passion for, for work's sake. Work was work for you. And, and, and this was really something you were doing to fulfill. Um, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll let you tell me why. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, as we talked about, I was not really, I was that not that high school kid that was an artist. I was an athlete. Art was like hobbies or Krillo craft projects. So it definitely wasn't a direction I was focused on as I became an adult. Um, but and not to interrupt you, but you yeah. are pretty tall. So I am. Most, most people yeah. you know, wouldn't be able to see that from here. Yeah, I'm six feet tall. That's, yeah, that's tall. I mean, that's very <laughs> tall. So what sports were you, uh, were you playing? I played volleyball. So okay. I played volleyball all the way through college. Yep. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. But yeah. I'm sorry. Please. No, that's okay. Um, so just through my, you know, I was an active part of the vintage community here. I did a lot of pinup activities and classic car shows. And I was swing dancing and teaching swing dancing here when uh, one of my really good friends said, hey, I think, you know, I'm taking these burlesque classes at the studio. I think that you would really like it and have a good time. You should definitely do it. And I was like, oh, yeah, not for me. You know, that's, I'm just doing my thing, dancing, having a good time. Um, and a Groupon came up for one class. And I was like, you know what? I like to try new things. I'll do it. It's one class. It's, it'll be fun. And I had a good time, but I didn't do the performance piece after it, which then she admonished me and said, like, no, you have to do, you have to do the performance piece. That's what makes it a thing. <laughs> so I signed up for a class again and did another class. I met some really fun people, which was great. Um, I did the performance the second time and I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say I was hooked and like this was what I was spending my time on. Um, so I just kept taking classes because it was fun and I enjoyed it and eventually just had the right connection with a t with an instructor and magically my brain was like I can take all these things that I've always liked since I was a kid these old classic movies and musicals and these gorgeous like technicolor dream boats that are from all these movies and I can do all the things I wanted to do but always felt over the top in regular life and now I can do it and now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's what a cool thing. Yeah. What drew you to that? I mean, was it was that a lifestyle? Was it do you feel like you're an old soul? You know, just fast forwarded into this time frame? Yeah. You know, my um my mom watched TCM. It TCM was on TV. Oh, yeah all the time at my house when I was growing up. 
And so I grew up around that environment and I would sit on the couch or on the bed in my parents' room with my mom just watching these classic movies. And I love the musicals because they're so colorful and the costumes are gorgeous and there's they dancing really and they're singing. And like, how could you not love those <laughs> movies? Yeah. Um, and I was a kid, you know, in high school, I was that teenager when people were like, oh, what's your favorite band? I was like, Frank Sinatra. What teenager says Frank Sinatra is their favorite band? But, you know, here... <laughs> Here we are. You know, I grew up in the same way, though. My dad would listen to oldies. Yeah. And I was this, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-old kid who was like, well, what's your favorite song, right? And back then it was whatever it was. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The, again, Beatles, Elvis Presley, like whatever. And like, what? What's wrong with this kid? So I totally get that and relate and I appreciate that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just the nature of my environment when I was growing up. And, you know, I think... As with most people, spend you spend time in your teenage years and in college and even your young adulthood trying to figure out who you are and what your style is and what you're into. And you you hit that moment where you're tired of trying to fit in and you realize, I just want to be me and I want to like what I like and wear what I wear and do what I do and be happy. And, you know, when I turned 30, that was the pivotal time where I was like, you know what, I moved back to Chicago from the DC area. And I realized how inclusive Chicago was. I was like, I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm tired of trying to fit in. And <laughs> I love that, though. And and I think so many people do resonate with that. And I think it's something that I hope comes of this, right? And I'm mm -hmm. seeing that the pandemic did have a lot to do with people jumping into uh, the arts and mm -hmm. their passions and pursuing that. I guess what advice would you give to people um, well, I, before, let me start that before the advice piece, <laughs> given that you were playing volleyball for so long and it, it almost seems like a big stage to me, right? Mm -hmm. That you're performing mm -hmm. <laughs> in a sense for all these people. Was it a natural transition to be able to perform in front of others or was there still that natural, you know, stage fright and, and just apprehension that comes from doing something so different? Um, I think there's, there's always going to be a little bit of stage fright. I mean, there's still times when I perform on a new stage or in front of a new audience or I'm doing a new act where I do have some stage nerves really? and I think that's healthy. Yeah. It's a new, it's new. It's the newness of it that's as cool, with though. anything else. Yeah. And it just makes, it reminds me that it's still something that's exciting for me that I do yeah. still get a little nervous. Um, but everybody always said, oh, well, but you played volleyball and you you performed performed in front of thousands of people in a crowd. And, but I guess at the time, I didn't think about it that way, you know, because like, I was so focused on performing or excuse me, playing and my teammates and doing what I'm supposed to do and dealing with the coach and stuff that it didn't feel the same. Um, and I had some opportunities to give presentations for my day job early in my career and that is really what helped me get out of my shell and be okay public speaking and performing. And now, now I just think about it as when I'm Ruby Spencer at an event or doing a performance or at a show, I'm that personality is on. And so I don't even think about it anymore as having to be, you know, presenting myself in front of people or having stage fright or anything. That's just, I'm turning it on and, and we're going. <laughs> no, and that's amazing. You just, you know, that, you'd be able to turn it on and off, mm -hmm. right? And, and know when it's useful and when it's not. Mm -hmm. What now, going back to the question is, what advice would you give to people who maybe just haven't tapped into that yet or, or have that those same feelings about not being fulfilled at work and seeing work as something that's a chore and, you know, uh, wanting to tap more into that artistic side of, of who they are? What advice would you give to, to break into that? 
I definitely think finding something that you're interested in and something that you enjoy because you need to love it in order for it to be a thing that you're spending time and dedicating money to. Um, that's really important. I also think it's really important to not think about that every hobby you have does not have to be a career. It does not have to be a moneymaker. If you love crocheting and you want to crochet and you want to donate things to somebody or you want to make things for friends as gifts, I think that that's amazing. But please don't try and make it. You, you don't have to have an Etsy shop. You could just do things because you love it and you enjoy it. Um, when I started Burlesque, it was not to be a money-making revenue for me. It was because I really liked it and I enjoyed it and I love the people that I was meeting and I was just having a really good time. There, of course, now, you know, it's been eight years, so there is revenue involved in it. Um, it's helpful, but it's also not what I'm living on. So that is also a big piece is just it can't, once you start relying on it to make the rest of your life happen is when you're going to stop enjoying it. And yeah. that, and then, then I don't, then I think you have to start questioning things all over again. Absolutely. Knowing that pressure and just ha having to do something as opposed to wanting to, or feeling like you get to do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I think there's such a benefit to that. Talk to me about the, the community. Um, it, you know, it seems like no matter what you're in, whether it be the arts and you get specific, like painters or whatever, sculptors, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the community of, of the burlesque dancer. Oh, the community. Chicago has a very lively, wonderfully <laughs> active community. Um, it is so diverse in terms of the level of activity that every community or community member has, the type of community members. Um, burlesque is wonderful in that way, that it is very inclusive. And even since I started eight years ago, you know, I'm seeing a lot of changes in the way that um, our shows are striving to become more, more inclusive. And there's always work that can continue to be done. But there is a lot of support within the burlesque community here um, we come to each other's shows. We donate to things for each other that we can't get if we can't get to shows. Um, we support new endeavor endeavors. I, you know, in this last year, I opened a burlesque school and uh, another producer and performer in the area, Hot Tadri, and I started a show specifically focused on new performers with less than three years of stage experience. And so many people from the community have come out and said, I love this. We need the community needs this. How can we help? Do you need me to work the door? Do you need me to promote things? And everybody is very much a let me help you how I love this. I want to support you. What can I do? Which is really nice. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things you had mentioned, too, was oftentimes when you're on a stage, <clears throat> you're part of a, a, a group of, of, of people right, mm -hmm. performing. Mm -hmm. and, and there's not that recognition oftentimes that comes with that of announcing, you know, here's this person, right, or, mm -hmm. or even like specializing in something mm -hmm. and being known for that. How do you hope that that changes or, or what do you see as an opportunity within that that, you know, was things were the way they were, but can evolve to be something different? I think that the most pivotal thing there is having the types of events and really great hosts of the events. The MC and the host can really make the ability for each performer 
to be recognized for the special talents that they're bringing to the stage. Um, I know in particular the show that you were at, um, the host there is really great. They introduce everybody. There's an outro for everybody. And that show has four different sets that gives you the opportunity to see the difference in all of those performers. And every burlesque performer is going to be different. Every circus performer is going to be different. You know, everybody brings their unique style and their self-interest to their performances, which is nice. It was a great show. I mean, very entertaining. <laughs> it was just, it's a, it's a great time. Mm-hmm. If you haven't experienced it, I mean, really, you really should. Yeah. It's an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also where I, I heard one of the performers was going out and he was uh, like competing in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How, how, do you participate in those things? Or tell me about just I guess that aspect of, of, you know, uh, your industry. Yeah. So there's actually, um, we call them festivals and they're usually, they happen in various cities throughout the country and even outside of the U S as well. Um, and some of those, you know, some of them are bigger than others. Some of them have specialty focus. Like there's a couple of nerd less things, which nerd is burlesque with like pop culture in it. So Interesting. yeah, um, there's boy less, there's, there's disabilities, which is oh, a, awesome. a festival. Yeah. For performers with disabilities. So there's a lot of things that happen and, um, you're talking about Pino, Pino R. Um, he was actually was going, like, yeah, that's, that's a stage awesome. name. Yeah, he's a, he's a lovely person. Um, he was going to Beehoff, which is the Burlesque Hall of Fame. It's like the oh. big weekender that all burlesque performers um, look forward to every year. And there's multiple showcases and a competition. And he was actually competing for the king of burlesque, oh. which he ended up winning, no by way. the way. So yeah, he was, yeah, he was yeah, awesome. yeah. Wow, good for him. Yeah, so a lot of folks from Chicago we're heading to that. Um, I had actually come from Vegas. I competed in the burlesque competition at Viva Las Vegas, which happened in April. So there was very much that that transition. And there was another local performer, Shimmy LaRue, who was also in that competition. So there are a lot of Chicago people. I think sometimes because Chicago is tucked into the Midwest, we kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. So it's nice to see, um, you know, our Chicago performers being recognized in in big ways. It just seems that burlesque fits here. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's something about the aesthetic of it, right? (laughs) Like it just goes with Chicago. Like if you were to say burlesque and what city do you think of? I just would think of Chicago. Like Mm -hmm. it's it's so, it's so perfect here. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Beyond performing and, you know, doing this, you've had an opportunity to go and be on the big screen now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Tell me or at least that. everybody's little screen. Yeah. yeah no, that's awesome. <laughs> no, don't, don't downplay it. No. It's, it's a big deal. We're in the presence of greatness here. <laughs> I try. I try. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I think with most people when the pandemic happened, I had a moment where I realized I need to put myself out there in ways that I wouldn't necessarily put myself out there and say yes to more things. Um, And so at the time, the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel was looking for background dancers specifically for a role of a 1960 stripper, which I mean, (laughs) for less performers are, I mean, we come from that. So um, I didn't do it originally. And then a friend said, Hey, you should. And I thought about it a little more. And I was like, you know what? I will. So I put my resume together and send my videos and my photos. And there was a lot of back and forth because the pandemic was happening, sure. but I ended up getting hired for that background role. And so I'm in several episodes of season four of the marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel, all dressed up in my like vintage finest and, and schmoozing backstage with like 
a lot of other notable performers, mostly from New York because it's filmed in New York. Mm -hmm. And so it's a lot easier to do things when you live there. So there are several burlesque performers, if you watch the show, that you will see both in the background and actually doing stage performances in that season. That is really, really cool. <laughs> yeah. But you, had, you didn't stop there, though. It was you did a couple other things. No, I when I got the filming bug, I guess. So um, I came back and and have done a couple of little background extra roles and things like the Time Traveler's Wife on HBO and Sixty First Street on AMC, and uh, oh, there was one more that that I was in, and now I can't remember. But there's been a couple things here and there, and it's even it's given me enough of a bug that I'm now working on some audition information to aud audition for a talent agency because I figured if I'm going to spend time <laughs> doing this, I should spend. I am an all-in type of person, Tony, so I don't do anything like just, I don't just dip a toe in. I dive head first and we're, we're doing the thing. <laughs> That's awesome, though. I love that. I love that. You never know what it could lead to, right? That's right. Now, I guess with that, what do you hope it leads to? I mean, are you just open to whatever it is at this point, or do you have a specific direction you want to take, um, you know, the Ruby brand? Yeah, no, I don't. Everybody always asks, you know, what are what are what are your long term goals? Yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> I, I still don't know the That's answer good. to that. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm just kind of open. I want. I don't want to limit myself by saying I want to do this or I want to do that. I just see that. I want more people to know who Ruby is and what Ruby can offer, and I think in like some, you know, back in my childhood brain. I just think of all these uh, old Hollywood stars who did all the things. They acted, they danced, they sang. And so they were they were doing everything. They were Jill to, of all trades. Yeah, <laughs> to make themselves like accessible to everything. And so in that context, you know, like I'm not looking to be the next Meryl Streep, obviously, but I would love to just have be available to opportunities that specifically work for me. So there's got to be other shows other than Mrs. Maisel that <laughs> needs some background strippers or something like that. You know what I mean? Like there's, there has to be things out there that work for Ruby. And I want people to know that she is available for those things. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's pretty awesome though. And, and again, you never know what that leads to. That's right. What, what's your favorite thing about everything you're doing? And, you know, and as you say that too, um, a, th a quote I thought of, don't quote me exactly <laughs> verbatim, but uh, Oscar Wilde saying that when you know what you want to be when you grow up, that's your punishment. Oh. Right? That, in essence, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have the liberty and the freedom to, to be all these things. Mm -hmm. right? What do you love most about it that draws you to this and is kind of drawing you away from that, which we'll get to the, the corporate side. The corporate the, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the office life. Yeah. Um, I think the the there's two pieces. It's the sort of glitz and glamour aspect of everything. It lets me live all of the fantasies that my childhood brain had that I was like, you could never in, but I can in my regular life. There are, my house is covered in glitter and rhinestones and it's just the way it's going to be. And I'm sorry, Mike, my partner and the dog, everything is always covered in glitter <laughs> and he's such a saint for dealing with it. Um, but also just the, the people that I've met through this community. I, I'm so fortunate for the people that have come through my life, even temporarily and people who have been around that I met from the beginning and we're still friends with. And I just so many different types of people that I would never have met if I just stayed in my 
you know, pigeonholed sport life and, you know, doing my sports and going to work and coming home and doing all the things like I would have missed the opportunities to meet some really, really amazing people that I have have enriched my life in like all sorts of ways. <laughs> I mean, I just can't imagine. It's so true. Even just to be able to have this podcast, which is to me, you know, a, a, a form of art in yeah. and of itself. Right. But that it does. You get to meet all these amazing people and, mm-hmm. and have that interaction. You've mentioned a couple of times uh, in terms of what has given you the, the confidence and, and, and experience, right, mm-hmm. to or overcoming certain things like stage fright with your corporate life. Mm-hmm. Well, so talk to me a little bit about what you were doing there and, and still, I mean, to some extent. Still do. Yeah, yeah. still do, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, in... Uh, it, for everybody in our, our age range, we were raised to go to college and get a degree and get a job and, you know, make money and do all the things. And uh, I thought for sure after college that I was going to be a volleyball coach. I knew it that I didn't even look at other things I might be interested in. No way. And when I graduated, there was one job available at one university and the pay was $18,000 for the entire year. <laughs> And I did not love volleyball that much. (laughs) I knew that I was not, that was going to be difficult for me. Um, And so my dad, who is actually in the nonprofit association management world, and he had been since I was a child, had said like, hey, check out these jobs. Because I was really struggling job hunting. Mm. Um, I actually spent six months as a substitute teacher at the high school I went to (laughs) while I was job hunting. Um, and ended up finding a job at an association management company out in DC, which is why I ended up moving. And I've been in the association management business since then. It's been over 15 years. And I've been able to acquire a lot of skills that way. I managed large citywide week-long events. I've worked on certifications, so I understand and appreciate the professional development aspect of things as an adult, which I think is why I still love to learn new things all the time. Um, And it's given me a lot of business acumen, which is how I have spent my life for the last 15 plus years is really focused on that, you know, kind of corporate business management environment. And uh, I still do it. I do it as a consultant now, which is nice. It affords me the ability to do all the other things um, and manage my time and with all the plates in the in the air. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, last question I have is just going back to the burlesque, side, mm-hmm. which is really cool to hear, you know, the, the, the two world that, you know, you really live in and how different they are. Mm-hmm. And just how you're able to do those things, because, you know, for you, it's about doing it and not really, <laughs> I don't want to say not thinking about it, because it is thinking about it, but it's just not letting the thought become fear, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and jumping into it. What, I guess, would you hope that people learn from burlesque in general here? Because I'm sure not everybody, and, and even in your own experience, has gone to a burlesque show mm-hmm. or has experience with that. But what would be the one thing you'd want them to know, to invite them to a show to experience for themselves? Well, I think the the biggest thing about a burlesque show and the reason I always encourage people, um, in fact, I was just out the other night and met two, two lovely women at the bar who had never been to a burlesque show before, and I think we've encouraged them to go now. Um, but it's definitely, it's a celebration of all sorts of things. And I think with everything that's going on in our country right now, we need arts and entertainment and we need that mental break to just have a good time and remember that 
while everything feels like a dumpster fire, there are still some things that we can really celebrate and enjoy. Um, and I know the arts community and the burlesque community is struggling with how to to handle that right now. And so the the best thing that I could say is support the local arts because we, for all of history, have been the thing that just helps keep people's morale in focus. I couldn't have, I mean, wow, <laughs> very, very well said. And, and yeah, I mean, in so many things that we talk about, whether it be mental health or just, you know, your overall health, that one thing that just doesn't get taken into account is the arts, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not just from the perspective of art for the sake of art, but also the community around it and mm-hmm. the experience around it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Where can people find you, follow you, um, so that they can go to a, an event and actually experience the, the show? Oh, yeah. I'm on, all, show. I'm on all the things. So I have a <laughs> website, rubyspencer.com, that has all sorts of information. I keep my calendar updated every month. So as new shows get added, things get there. Um, but social media is always going to be the fastest. My Instagram is really active. It's rubyspencershy, so C-H-I. Um, I'm on Facebook as Ruby Spencer. I'm on TikTok as Ruby Spencer Pinup. Um, I'm on all the things. I have a YouTube page. You you have to actively try not yeah. to see me. <laughs> well, you've done a good job of putting yourself out there. Thank but, you. You know, and on that note, I want to thank you for coming in and just sharing your story and for doing what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.